This is the news from the Lord. Hello, America, and welcome to the Word of the Lord. This is Jeffrey Lord. Let's have a a sort of brief little chat about what we saw on display in that vice presidential debate last night. So I got to ask, how did you see the now in the books debate between Senator Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike Pence? And what did you see if you did see it? Well, I'll tell you what I saw. Never have I seen a candidate dodge an outright lie as I saw Kamala Harris do last night. Right out of the box, I almost fell out of my chair. She claimed that President Trump had called the virus a hoax. Now, any person paying attention can clearly pull up the video of the president in South Carolina months ago saying that the Democrats' politicization of the virus, not the virus itself, was the new impeachment hoax or the new Trump-Russia collusion hoax, meaning they were using the virus as a political weapon to beat the president over the head. Very dishonest people. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. You know that, right? Coronavirus. They are politicizing it. We did one of the great jobs, you say, House President Trump doing. They go, oh, not good, not good. They have no clue. They don't have any clue. They can't even count their votes in Iowa. They can't even count. They can't count their votes. One of my people came up to me and said, Mr. President, they tried to beat you on Russia, Russia, Russia. That didn't work out too well. They couldn't do it. They tried the impeachment hoax. That was on a perfect conversation. They tried anything. They tried it over and over. They've been doing it since you got in. It's all turning. They lost. It's all turning. Think of it. Think of it. And this is their new hoax. That's what he meant. It's crystal clear what he meant. He never, ever said that the virus was a hoax. Then she went on to say that the president had never denounced white supremacy. That, too, is a flat-out falsehood. As I have noted before, over there at the Media Research Center's Newsbusters, where I also pen a column, the staff ran an article with video of Donald Trump in many instances, and it was headlined, quote, 19 times Donald Trump has denounced white supremacy, unquote. Have you ever heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists? How many times do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. That's the reason I got back in this race, because what happened in Charlottesville. People coming out of the woods, carrying torches, their veins bulging. Close your eyes and remember what you saw. And a young woman gets killed resisting the hate and violence. And the president gets asked to come in. And what's he say? He says they're very fine people on both sides. We had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? You wouldn't even condemn David Duke, for God's sake. When you say the party is self-destructing, what do you see as the biggest problem with the Reform Party right now? 
Well, you've got David Duke just joined, a bigot, a racist, a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. You know why they're not? Because they don't want to pick it up. They pick it up. You pick it up. Everyone else picks it up. You saw simultaneously, practically at the same time. They don't want to pick it up. And one of the questions, that question was asked, and I rejected it there. That news conference was like a day before. You so said I, I said to myself, how many times do I have to reject or disavow? Let me ask you this question. What about the David Duke is saying to his supporters and followers, vote for Donald Trump. White supremacists are saying, vote. do you want those votes? No, I don't want them. And I don't want him to say it. I can't help if he says it, if he says it. But I don't want it. And I don't I, if he says it, John. If he says it, he says it, okay? Do I want it? No. In other words, Kamala Harris was playing the race card quite openly and quite bluntly because this is what her party does and has always done. And I would suggest that what was on display last night was a clear socialist agenda, from packing the Supreme Court to the Green New Deal to raising taxes and banning fracking and more. What Americans saw from Kamala Harris was not the face of, as she describes herself, a, quote, woman of color, unquote. What Americans saw was the face of a woman of socialism. Somewhere last night, Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders was nodding in enthusiastic approval. Let me just read you this excerpt of the debate reported by Fox News. Quote, are you and Joe Biden going to pack the court if Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed? Are you going to pack the court, unquote? Pence asked, quote, your party is actually openly advocating adding seats to the Supreme Court, which has had nine seats for 150 years, if you don't get your way, unquote. Pence added that the threat from Democrats is a, quote, classic case of if you can't win by the rules, you can change the rules, unquote. Harris did not respond, unquote. Well, of course she didn't respond. Neither will Joe Biden. My favorite is when Joe Biden says that if he were to respond on this, then that would be the issue. Well, hello, Joe. We're in the middle of a presidential campaign. Of course it should be an issue. Why don't you put your list out there? There is a reason why Biden and Harris aren't going to talk about what so many in their party are talking about which is packing the court and stocking it with socialists. There is a reason that contrary to what President Trump has done, they will not release the list of their potential nominees. And the reason is very simple. To put names of their potential nominees on a list is to reveal that they are all far-left nominees who would use the Supreme Court, not as it was designed, the branch of government that decides on the constitutionality of laws, but use it rather as a second legislative branch, the place where personal ideology substitutes for law and is in fact handed down as a diktat, a unilaterally declared order that isn't about the law, but about politics. And in this case, you can bet that would be socialist politics. Vice President Pence in his typical measured and calm Hoosier style, I would suggest presidential style, made the case which the Wall Street Journal described this morning as, quote, about Mr. Biden's $2 trillion in spending over four years on the Green New Deal, the $4 trillion of tax increases that will reach into the working class through higher business and corporate rates, their goal of eliminating fossil fuels that would cost jobs and raise energy prices, and the Biden record on foreign policy that includes 
opposing the raid on Osama bin Laden, unquote. On that note, let's just recall that Bob Gates, who was the Secretary of Defense in the Obama administration, said that Joe Biden hadn't been right on a foreign policy issue in 40 years. Of course he hasn't, and he's not right now. And let's recall, when it came to the virus, he said that there should be no China travel ban because it was xenophobic and racist. In fact, any one of those issues, stances from the Biden-Harris ticket should be enough to concern voters. But let's take fracking for a second, which I've dismissed before here. A couple of weeks ago, I had the chance to be out in Washington County, Pennsylvania, which sits next to the Ohio border in southwestern Pennsylvania. And I had a chance to listen to the business agent of the Boilermakers Local 154 in Pittsburgh. He was adamant about the success of fracking and providing good jobs at good wages for his union members. And he was nothing if not aware that both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to ban fracking. Yet there in that debate last night sat Harris insisting they would never ban fracking when they have both, both been captured on videotape promising to do exactly that. And to give you one more example that, I, that I've that i mentioned before, but I just want to bring it up again from uh, my friend and colleague from the American Spectator, Paul Kenger, who is out there in western Pennsylvania as a professor at Grove City College. He said that uh, just one example of jobs in western Pennsylvania would be uh, the Shell Chemicals' new ethane cracker plant in Beaver County, which is just outside of Pittsburgh on the banks of the Ohio River. It's located near one of those iconic western Pennsylvania steel towns, Paul wrote, that once thrived with smokestacks and football. Think Mike Ditka, Joe Namath, Tony Dorsett, Pistol Pete Maravich, and basketball. And, of course, Iron City Beer. And employed and sustained countless families, countless families for generations. Those jobs all disappeared. But the energy industry is bringing them back. The Cracker Plant is a $5 billion-plus project that, when finished, will create over 3,000 high-paying jobs. One industry analyst told Paul, for every one of those jobs, there will be an additional four or five jobs outside the plant that will provide services to the plant. The Shell Project will create almost, imagine this, 20,000 jobs for western Pennsylvania. Fracking natural gas out of the Marcellus and Utica natural gas deposits will be critical to maintain the flow of feedstock to run the plant. A ban on fracking would no doubt have a huge impact on the future viability of the plant and its employees, unquote. Is it any wonder that all of a sudden there is Kamala Harris on stage? I don't know how else to say this, just lying through through her teeth and saying that, they never wanted to ban fracking when, in fact, let me say again, she and Joe Biden have been caught on videotape. And I say caught. I mean, it's not like this was some, uh, you know, secret deal here. Joe Biden said this in the middle of a debate, a CNN debate, when he was asked by Dana Bash. He said that uh, he would uh, get rid of fracking. Um, Kamala Harris was asked at a town hall by a voter, a young voter, about it. And she said, yes, she would ban fracking. But, kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, 
What is the relationship with Joe Biden and the Biden family with China, and how would that affect American foreign policy? Joe Biden has also been out there on videotape saying that they're not bad folks over there in China. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, not, they're competition for us. A more prosperous China will mean more demand for American-made goods and services and more jobs back home in the United States of America. So our desire for your prosperity is not born out of some nobility. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. Uh, when I've, I've spent a lot of time with President Xi, even he acknowledges that uh, the, the growth and progress in China has been a direct relationship of uh, the stability that has been in, uh, encouraged by a U.S. presence. We're not trying to contain China. We're not trying to slow down Chinese growth. The growth of China is overwhelmingly in our interest. We've recognized that the United States-China relations generate global economic benefit, not just to both our countries, but global benefit. Last year, our trade with China supported over 500,000 jobs here in the United States. There was a debate here in the United States, and quite frankly, throughout most of the West, as whether a rising China was in the interest of the United States and the wider world. As a young member of the Foreign Relations Committee, I wrote and I said, and I believe then what I believe now, that a rising China is a positive, positive development, not only for China, but for America and the world writ large. I guess I want to ask you, do you think that this is, is going to, in fact, be a major issue? And are you vulnerable on this issue at all because of your son's business dealings in, in China? No, I don't believe so at all. My son's business dealings were not anything with everybody that he's talking about, not even remotely, number one. Nothing to do with me, number two. And here we have uh, this virus that has been spread, and we have Joe Biden taking son Hunter over there to China, and he's making a small fortune, actually a large fortune, uh, off of his father's relationship with China. And, up, oh, no, Kamala Harris just can't seem to you bring herself to address it. So I would just suggest in closing here, my friends, that what we're seeing and will see for the rest of this campaign 
are dueling campaigns, one which gets the issues out there about supporting capitalism and a free market society, and the other which is all about socialism, and they're not going to be honest about it. Uh, That's the difficult problem. They're going to look you right in the camera's eye and not tell you the truth. And that's what happened at last night's vice presidential debate. So stay tuned for more Word from the Lord. I hope you will visit V. Jeffrey Lord, my website. And until the next time, see you soon. Bye-bye. 